Jordan and Jake. Powered by Ortho Carolina. The home stops. He throws it across field. Guess who? Jordan Gross. Here are your Panther Hall of Honor members, Jordan Gross and Jake DeLome. Merry Christmas, Jake DeLome. Uh, week 16 of the Carolina Panthers season. Things aren't always uh, great right now on 800 South Main Street, but it's Christmas week and I'm excited. I know you just got back from a trip to Buffalo that could have gone better, but but it's Christmas week. Things are good. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Jordan. Um, survived the Buffalo trip. The weather, um, I'm going to be very honest. It was 28 or 29 for the mm-hmm. game with some mm-hmm. snow flurries. And um, right now in South Louisiana, it is 42 degrees with about a 15-mile-an-hour north wind. And it feels so much colder here than it did in Buffalo on Sunday morning at 28 degrees. I will, I will say that. I was listening, driving in the car, listening to you guys broadcast. Mick said you were quite the celebrity at a watering hole in Buffalo. Do tell. Well, it was directly across the street from the uh, hotel and Mm -hmm. got in at night. It was 630 at night. And, um, I was lucky enough, uh, my travel was fine. I, you know, went from New Orleans to Atlanta, Atlanta to Buffalo, whereas um, a couple of partners, Mick Mixon and uh, the Zoki, Jim Zoki, there were some issues leaving Charlotte, I believe, due to some fog issues. And so they had to, due to the great Rhonda Shore, who we mm-hmm. must admit uh, is fantastic for the Panthers, they had to fly to Pittsburgh, rent a vehicle, and drive to Buffalo. So that was their trick. But anyway, so we all got there around the same time and we walked across the street and went in Buffalo, Buffalo wings. Right. So we ordered some food um, and they had a bunch of Panther fans in there, along with Buffalo fans, but a lot of Panther fans. And it was kind of cool. And I asked them because they said they take a road trip every year. And then I said, we went to Fort Lauderdale three weeks ago. What, what was the reasoning not going to Fort Lauderdale and wanting to go to Buffalo? And they said they just wanted to experience. And so it was, uh, was kind of cool to hang with the fans, take a couple of pictures, and feel their excitement and enthusiasm the night before a game. So this is exactly what I knew was going to happen. Remember last week you said you were going to go find the best Buffalo Wings in Buffalo. And you said that you were going to ask Brandon Bean, GM of the Bills, and Don Toner, who lived there 32 years ago. And after all that, you just go across the street, Jake. And that's exactly, exactly what I knew was going to happen. I'm so disappointed. Jordan, I ate breakfast that morning before I left my home. I had some oatmeal. And I went to the New Orleans airport. And there was a bunch of delays on flights. And it was a complete kind of chaos. And then I, la- I landed in Atlanta 20 minutes before takeoff of the next flight. So needless to say, there was no eating involved. And uh-huh. I was very hungry when we got to Buffalo. So the quickest place I could find was across the street. And Mixter, uh, McMixon and Zoki, uh, we walked over together. And I was very uh-huh. happy and very, had a beef and wick. You ever heard of that before? No. What in the world well, is that? Well, I, I, I didn't know that either. Well, it's a roast beef 
on top of some type of bread, but it's called a beef and wick. And it's like kind of like salt on top of the bread. And it was very, very good. So I had a true Buffalo experience. Around here, they call that a roast beef sandwich. That's what I call it in South Louisiana, but <laughs> they call it a, a uh, they call it a beef and wick. So I had a beef and wick, and I had six wings. So I feel pretty good about myself. All right. Well, after you couldn't have felt great beyond that because the game was kind of ugly, Jake. But you know, Jordan, it was. And listen, we talked before the game, and you know, we we always try to do keys to the game, and I try to give three and something to touch on offense, something on defense, and and of course special teams. Well, there was one key to the game, and I put no turnovers because we have no margin for error. I mean, like, we have got to almost – it seems to have play a perfect game um, because we just we, – we're our own worst enemy. And sure enough, um, you know, we had our chances, and we needed the ball to bounce our way, and I thought early on in the game – uh, Buffalo was having some trouble with the speed of our defense in the first quarter and, uh, gross Matos, uh, made a sack fumble and it just, you could see it from the booth that Brian Burns was gonna, it was scoop and score because there was no one there. And it just went in between his kind of hands and legs. And we didn't even get the fumble recovery, but gosh, we needed that to kind of jumpstart us to, uh, to get moving. And then, of course, there's not a field goal kicker in sight. So we had limited opportunities <laughs> on a couple of chances for field goals. We couldn't do that. So, Jordan, we, we listen, we play hard. That's one thing I give our football team. This is not a team that wants to throw in the towel. Like, look at Arizona. I mean, they basically – the players even said it. Yeah, we, we laid an egg. The coaches even said it. They didn't even – it was almost like they didn't even try. But that's one thing about this team. There's some fight. You just you'd like to see some success go our way because it's uh, it's difficult, man. It's no doubt it's difficult. The story goes that special teams coach Chase Blackburn once uh, Zane Gonzalez hurt his quad in warmups. Chase was going around the locker room like, "Hey, sorry to bother you. Have you ever kicked off before?" Asking everybody on the team. Okay, so that is not setting the tone for a mega confidence day if you're say, so you're a receiver or you're a linebacker like hey frankie psst, it's me chase coach blackbird have you ever done kickoffs before <laughs> two minutes it's like you're getting ready to play the game and you got to go practice your kickoffs but god bless zilstra he did a pretty good job man i mean i that's so amazing with you know how many guys we get active in the nfl and the salary cap and all that that still this kind of stuff can happen where you have no kicker just amazing it is amazing and you know listen to be honest let's say we had one uh another one on the roster our practice squad i mean this happened inside the 90 minute window when inactives are placed so we were going to be screwed either way it didn't matter um, but I did watch uh, from the press box because, you know, word had kind of was spreading pretty quickly that Gonzalez got hurt. And so we're watching Frankie Lubu, uh, Brandon Zilstra, and Reggie Bonifon working on kickoffs to see who would kick off. Um, so that was pretty interesting watching that. And um, I, I guess the thing that made it fun to watch is that Zilstra would kick off, and of course he has the head start on everyone due to momentum, <laughs> and he's the first one down there. And our first two kickoffs, uh, Buffalo uh, starting field position was the 26-yard line, 
and yep. the 29. So in essence, that's only a plus five, um, I guess, in, 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 in yardage. That, that was it. Now, the last one, um, they did a good job of catching it. The first couple, they didn't really catch it clean and stuff like that. So they got more yards on the last one. But um, I can see it, it's I, I can see Bill Belichick watching that game and being like, ooh, this is an advantage now for one more guy to cover kickoff. So he's going to start mixing this up. There may We may have revolutionized the kickoff game, Jake, with this new way of receiver squib kicks from here, from now, now and again. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots start doing that. Uh, okay, so that's enough on the Buffalo game. It was 31-14. We're 5-9. and nine. We got to talk about Brady coming to town here pretty soon. But I want to ask you this question, Jake. In the in the yes, spirit sir. of the holidays, all I want for Christmas from the Panthers is blank. Okay, and I prep. I gave you a little prep time on this. Told you this question would be coming. And you know, let's be realistic here. You're not going to say, you know, three wins in a row, and you know, blah blah blah. Something that is attainable from the Panthers this week for Christmas. It's very simple, Jordan. We haven't won at home in a long time. We play the day after Christmas. We're playing a Buccaneer team. Yes, we all know it's Tom Brady. We all know they're the world champs. They had a brutal loss on Sunday night. They did not score a point. And they've lost, they lost some guys due to injury. Godwin, Mike Evans went out with a hamstring. Leonard Fournette went out with, went out with a hamstring. Uh, all I want for Christmas is a Panther win. And let me tell you why. This is selfish reasons. I want to have that my heart pumping in the fourth quarter when we're calling the game and it's going to come down to the wire and we make a play to win the game at home. I mean, th- that's all I want, Jordan. I just want that feeling of a win in bank of America stadium. That, that's, that's what I want, Jordan. That's what I want. I'm not asking for three wins. I'm asking for one and I'm asking for to be at home to finish out our home stand this year. That's all. I'm asking. Okay. Well, that would be fun. We, we, were you on our team when we beat Tampa on Christmas Eve at home? You might have been gone by then. That was probably I, I like think, I think I was gone, Jordan. I can't remember. It's all a blur. We and we rushed. I don't know. We had it was like a we beat them by 30 or something. It was on Christmas Eve. And it, you know, so then you had the day you had all of Christmas off, which is rare for that to happen when you're an NFL player. And it was just unbelievable so you since you took that one i i'll move on to something different all i want for christmas from the panthers is 200 yards rushing oh how do you feel about that and i think that if i get my wish you'll get yours we got close last week 151 yards rushing okay now now my question is this are you talking about this week or before the season ends no this week this week well jordan if that happens if we rush for 200 this week Mm-hmm. I guarantee it's a win because this team for Tampa is very difficult to run against. Yes. So if we rush for 200 this week, I promise you, I'm going to be doing the running man all fourth quarter oh. up, <laughs> up in the booth. No doubt. You better, you better get that headset on tight. If you, you the Jake Dillon running man, I've seen it. It is good too. It is, well, it is all stiff and awkward as you could imagine. Jake, and here's the best part about being a, a media person. I got no idea in the world how they're going to run for 200 yards. I'm just going to wish for it. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we got who's is, is it Amir? Is, is it going to be more Cam? 
are they going to put Shaq Thompson back there and uh, have him be a running back like he was at University of Washington College? I don't know. I'm just wishing for it and hoping Santa brings it to me on, <laughs> on the day after Christmas. But if they do that, it'll be a fun game to watch. It'll take a little – the reason – here's my thing. It'll take a little freaking pressure off of Cam and the passing game and whatever version of the O-line, those poor guys – Whoever is healthy this week and which combination is able to play 200 yards rushing would just be awesome. So it would be <laughs> awesome. But, but on top of that, there's one other nugget that I think kind of is, is not talked about enough. It doesn't look like we're going to host a home playoff game this year in Carolina for this season. It, I, I'm I'm pretty certain we're not going to be able to do that. Is that correct? I would say that's breaking news. You heard it here first. Okay, but like uh, low probability. Low probability. Okay, so this is the legendary Mick Mixon's last football game. He will call oh. in Panther State in Bank of America Stadium. Wow, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So some running man to sign off in the fourth quarter would probably be the best way for this thing to end. You're right. I. I think it would be great. You know, one of my favorite things, listen, I love doing broadcasts with Mick. I'm sure you feel the same way. He makes it so easy from one transition to the next. It's like seamless. But I love his intro every single week. Um, you know, if it's a one o'clock game at 1250, when we put the headsets on and we're going on air for the duration, when he welcomes the Panther crowd and he just starts to describe the week, who we're playing, what it's like, and his word. I'm so envious of the way he can use his words and describe things, all the adjectives that he uses and, and, and what he comes up with. And that's something that I just think is a gift. And I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to miss that. I don't think there's any doubt. I'm going to miss that tremendously. It, when I sit next to Mick and Zoak as well, but Zoke is still wanting to stay in the business. When I sit next to Mick, I think these are the good old days. You know what I mean? Like someday, every things are moving in a different direction with with streaming and and the attention span of the audience, and who knows where radio broadcast will eventually evolve to. Mick Mixon is a piece of of broadcasting history, and his ability to paint the picture and tell the story and the the detail that he just throws out, and you could like you could get used to it as commonplace, but like, you know, the towel fluttering in a light Southeastern breeze of five miles an hour. And he'll say that like right before the snap, you're like, I'll be damned. It is doing that. You know, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> hit it on the head. Yeah. You said, when you said detail, that's, it's just the, the detail, the description and you, it's like you put yourself, okay, I, I'm here. I know what he's saying. Uh, you know, and when yeah. I listen to you guys, yeah, it's uh, um, it's a gift. There's no doubt. It's a gift. And I think that's why, you know, you're you're a good team, Jake, because the detail is just lacking when you talk. You know, you just <laughs> it's like mix mix like so uh, mix Picasso and you're just like paint by numbers, Jake. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, okay. There is no doubt. I am paint by I am paint by numbers. You are paint by numbers with the accent, though. The accent makes you smart. It's like, you know. If, Somebody with an, an English accent is obviously smarter than someone with not an accent, you know, as far as the American ears go. So you're a, a step of, in between somewhere with the with the Cajun accent. Uh, Jake, if you haven't got Carrie a Christmas present yet, okay, 
Um, I looked old, up old news, Jordan Gross. Yeah. Okay, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy that says I'm going to send a video of me racing with my nephew. I'm not that guy. Okay, Jordan, I mm-hmm. get things done when I get asked to do something. I still haven't okay. seen any of that stuff, just for our listening audience. You're right. I, I, and I'm, at this point, I'm just probably not going to do it. Well, I had a long discussion on Sunday morning walking from a coffee shop to the uh, hotel before we left for the game with Kevin Donnelly about Mm -hmm. this video that you did not send of you and your nephew racing. And Kevin Donnelly thought of a story when his last year and in May before OTA started, we had a mini combine that John Fox used to like to do. And Jordan Gross, all 22-year-old rookie, uh, had the fastest 40 of the alignment. Until one Kevin Donnelly uh, beat him and had a faster 40 time in his 13th year. And Kevin explained the story, how he had to get himself so worked up. And he wore a size like 16 shoe cleat and he put on a size 14 smaller, tied it up as tight as he could, ran it one time and beat Jordan Gross. And he said it was a walk off. He said that's still one of the proudest moments of his life. There's no video evidence of that, Jake. Okay, wow. so I can't I can't confirm nor deny that that happened. But you don't play 13 years in the NFL though without having some special gifts. So he probably, he might have done that. Kevin, okay. I'm just glad to know you guys talk about me when I'm not around and I'm the standard of athletic performance for amongst all my <laughs> friends. All right, that's that's an exactly. Awesome story. <laughs> uh, I was when I was prepping for our podcast, I always just peruse random stuff and i was like i wonder what they're telling us to get our wives these year these days i already you know i got it dialed in i know in the past you said you would carry don't go real big and dana and i try you know it, it, it you get you make sure they're taken care of but yes it, nobody's getting a new car type of thing at our house but i i went i went on the internet and i said what does the internet tell us are the best presents for our wives this year because i just think it's funny because it's never anything that is anywhere on my radar so according to Esquire.com, which is a fancy fashion and whatever website, the number one present to get your wife this year, you ready for this? Yes. Is a subscription to Hunt a Killer, which is you get a monthly box of crimes and clues that you have to try to solve before the clues run out. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. Wow. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Me either. It seems crazy that that's the number one thing that we should get is here you go, honey. Here's a bunch of gruesome (laughs) murder clues. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. And it keeps coming once a month. Uh, Number two. What's number two? Yeah. It's a gift. It's another subscription. So we're big on the subscriptions to like a, it's called glossy box and it, it's like just random beauty products and skincare products each month. I don't think you got that one either, did you? No, I did not get that one. And then number three, a fancy robe. Now I could go down that. I could go down that alley. There's no doubt. Yeah, Carrie, that would be that would be high on her list. There's no doubt. Yeah, and then then from there it moves on. But I just thought it was funny that the number one was a horror subscription for that. Just does not scream Christmas to me. But you know what? Maybe I'm weird. No, I don't think you. I think we're normal. I think they just put some of those things, and that's a lie. I think that's just yeah. propaganda. <laughs> that's just my opinion sometimes. All right. Um, let, 
we're, we're getting close here and I want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas, but we had some tough Panther news this week uh, on Friday. Yes, we did. We all got word that Dave Magazoo, who was a Panther coach for a number of years, O-line coach, I, uh, he came in in my fifth year and he was a coach of mine for four years. Tight end coach. Well, he was a tight end coach before that. He came in with Foxy. So he's tight end coach for four years then O-line coach for four years, and he left when Foxy left um, at, in 2010. Outstanding O-line coach, amazing man, great family, hilarious, diligent, loyal, uh, effort. Just, I mean, I can't say enough about the guy, and he died of a heart attack last Friday, so I wanted to make sure we spent some time talking about him, reminiscing, telling Carrie and his family how much uh, we're sorry about about this and what he meant to all of us. And I'll let you speak to it uh, in here in a second, Jake. But I got to tell the Dave Magazoo came in in my fifth year and um, he my my previous four years. So I came in in, in 03, was drafted high and was, you know, a lot of uh, momentum coming out of college for me. And I. I played fine my first four years. You know, my rookie year was probably my best year out of my first four. We were really good. And um, I got some, you know, pub in the media and things like that after the season for some all rookie teams and all whatever. But um, just kind of, I, in my opinion, was kind of stagnant the next three years. Didn't really get any better or any worse and was kind of not on a trajectory to maybe get to the Pro Bowl and things like that that were some of my goals. And Dave Magazine came in. And I'll never forget, I had a, a fan fest was, you know, we'd go towards the end of training camp, we'd go have a practice at the stadium, the fans would come and the team would try to kind of hype it up. And it was always something that I just didn't really look that forward to. And I didn't have a good fan fest, right? And the reason I didn't look forward to because I was always like kind of beat up during camp at that point. I didn't have a very good fan fest. And I remember I gave, a, I got like a couple of pressures off of a defensive end who was highly unlikely to make the team. And it was just because I wasn't like, chicken butt you know mentally I mean like just wasn't getting after it and Dave Magazoo his first year as my position coach when we watched that tape he exploded with anger at me Jake like throwing stuff and cussing and all these things and it like stunned me because he'd never gotten that mad before and he said you should be in the Pro Bowl and you're letting yourself put this product out there was the was the gist of this tangent. And when he told me that, because I hadn't been receiving that message previously from the O-line coach, right? And when he said that I should be there, that injected me with a confidence and like a, a, a wish to prove him correct and do right by him because I knew he believed in me that much. And it reinvigorated me in my career. And, and lo and behold, two years later, I made my first Pro Bowl in an all-pro team. And I attribute so much of that to the way that he coached me and the standard he put on us. And he created that O-line that had Khalil and Travell Wharton and me and Hangartner and uh, Ota was there for a while and a number of other guys that, you know, double trouble. And when, you know, probably one of the best teams I've been on was our 08 team. And it was all because of what Dave Magazoo did and the way that all of his players felt about him and thought about him and, and the sadness that's been shared in, you know, our text circles and threads these last few days as we reminisce about him really says a lot about who he was. So I just, I, I couldn't get through this podcast, Jake, without giving him a few minutes. And he deserves more because of, of what he meant to me. And I know the guys around him. 
No, Jordan, I think you, you said it great. Um, yeah, I was around Dave just like you. He was our tight end coach and then O-line coach. And he just had a – he was he, he had that calming type of influence. And I didn't know that story about him kind of challenging you in that regard because it doesn't seem like him one to kind of get that emotional. But, like, he cared so much about his players and he expected the best out of them and he, he taught them to be the best. And I just – he just felt like always a calming influence. He was always on the sideline as a tight end coach and O-line coach. And I just, it, it was special, you know, and getting to know Carrie well, the wife, and then the three oldest boys, you know, from Anthony and Dom and Damon, always in the locker room, uh, folding towels and things like that and watching them with their dad. And then the two youngest, Olivia and Roman, you just, you feel for that family because he truly was, I mean, he was that family guy and he was just, there was something about you, you enjoyed being around him and, and I can go on and on, but like you said, uh, finding out on Friday and through our text kind of threads with all of our buddies, it's just a, just a complete shock. And you just think of the, the smiles that Dave Magazoo put on your face. You know, one thing is to, to have a coach, but he was a really good football coach, but man, he was a great person just, and you love, and this is this was always my thing. Like, there's certain pl- people you like on your team or coaches or whatnot, and but if they're sitting there by themselves at a table, are you saying to yourself, "Man, they're by themselves. Let me go sit with them," or you're like, "Man, I'm going to sit next to my guy," you know? And and Dave was the one. He never had an empty chair at a table because it didn't matter what position you played. Or, or, or if you were a, a trainer, equipment manager, whatnot, you loved being around Dave. There was just something about it. And he just, he had that magnetic personality, but yet he was still kind of a low-key type of guy. But he's definitely going to be missed. Great football coach, great, great father and husband. Well, we'll sign off with that, Jake. And um, I wish you and the family the best Christmas you can have. I know you're probably traveling Christmas Day, so be safe and uh, enjoy the 200 yards rushing and the win this uh, this Sunday against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, all right? And Jordan, I will be doing the running man. I will put Mick Mixon in a headlock, and I will be kind of scratching on that head. I'm going to be so fired up when we do that on <laughs> Sunday afternoon. I look forward to hearing the uh, the detailed recap of that from Mick as it happens. All right, Jake. Uh, Jordan and Jake podcast brought to you by Ortho Carolina. We'll see you all next week. Jordan and Jake, powered by Ortho Carolina. Your personalized orthopedic care begins with a click of a mouse. Schedule your next appointment online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, your care, your way. Wow. <laughs>